let's talk about why I think success is guaranteed in a one-on-one coaching business. Now, okay, fine. We'll get it out of the way up front. Is success guaranteed? Is everyone who starts a one-on-one coaching business going to have a thriving practice? Well, no, of course not, practically speaking. But I do believe that everyone who doesn't quit will have a thriving one-on-one coaching practice. And I, and I, that's not, that's not pie in the sky. That's not, that's not self-help, you know, law of attraction nonsense. I think there are practical realities that are in our favor as one-on-one coaches that make it extremely hard to fail if you just keep going. So one of the uh, if I were to summarize why I think uh, one-on-one coaching practices will ultimately succeed is because there is a problem of supply and demand. And, and the problem is really fueled by advertising within the coaching world, the training world, the self-help world. I think there is actually always going to be an excess demand for one-on-one work. and a relative deficit of supply of one-on-one work. And I think that's ultimately due to, well, to some quirks of human nature. And uh, it's all fueled, in my opinion, by advertising. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's remember what a coaching and mentoring relationship is, as we've defined it on the Beautiful Business Podcast, which is any one or any combination of the following promises. I'll be a neutral listener in a safe space. I'll cheer you on and encourage you. I'll help you be accountable to your knowledge and your goals. I'll be your guide and sounding board as you pursue goals I've already achieved or or I've helped others achieve. To me, some combination of these promises are what people who who purchased coaching and mentoring, what they're what they're pursuing. And every one of these promises appeals to some basic human desire that I think has has existed forever and will exist forever. I don't think human beings will ever stop desiring an experience in which someone is listening to them with, with patience and compassion, sometimes challenging them, but making there's just something about us where we love the idea of being the center of attention with a trusted guide. I, I, that's never going to change. How would that ever change? I think that's built into us to enjoy that. And so in my opinion, the demand for that experience will never go away. That's my opinion, but I think it's a strong, I think it's a strong point. The demand for the experience of one-on-one coaching, I can't imagine it ever diminishing. I also think now this is this is a strong opinion but one-on-one coaching is inherently more desirable to the client than training is. And if you if you struggle to believe that ask yourself whether you'd rather watch a 1-hour video of your favorite coach or spend 1 hour with your favorite coach. Many of you just said in your heads, well both, I want to do both. I want to watch the video and I want to spend time with her or him. Well right. Fine. But we have a great desire to spend time one-on-one with people who have influenced us and people who we believe can help us, people whose attention we would love to have. 
I'm no different. I want my coach's full attention undivided. I want to talk with her or him. I have a female coach and a male coach. I want their undivided attention. Might I participate in groups that they run? Yes. Might I participate in coaching or in a training programs that they run? Maybe. But I want one-on-one time. I want the undivided attention of this person who I trust, who has influenced me. As a, as a sort of funny example, I just heard about, uh, uh, my sister actually was telling me that a certain coach is either has just, or is about to offer or is offering, I don't know the opportunity for people to spend $5,000 so they can, uh, pass an afternoon with her on a boat or a yacht or something. We'll just, we'll just set aside all of my snark about that for a minute. And we'll just acknowledge that we want to spend one-on-one time with and have the attention of people we trust and people who have influenced us never gets old. It never gets old. And that's why I think one-on-one coaching, one-on-one time is inherently more desirable to us than training from the same person. Because the, 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 another promise of one-on-one coaching is my connection is with you and I get to spend significant time with you. That's what the client's saying. But in a, in a training environment or in a scaled coaching environment, the promise becomes, or the experience of the client, I should say, the experience of the client becomes my connection is with you, the coach, and I get to spend significant time with your content, which I usually get for free on your podcast or in a cheap book or maybe, you know, in, in these other low cost areas, or maybe I get to spend significant time with a person that you've endorsed. Are any of these things bad? No. Would any of the, would any of us choose them if we had the option? For example, this is years ago. I can use the example of my old client, Brooke Castillo. Brooke obviously doesn't do, at least that I'm aware of, does not do one-on-one coaching. Although I think there are at this point, potentially millions, at least hundreds of thousands of people who would probably love to do one-on-one coaching with her. At one point, she did have someone reach out to her while I was working for her. And the person's assistant reached out to her and said, my boss would like to work with you one-on-one. And Brooke quickly said, I don't do that. And The person said, no, I don't think you understand. Money is no object. And Brooke said, no, I don't think you understand. I don't do one-on-one. It's hilarious to think of anybody trying to like coerce Brooke Castillo into doing anything. That makes me laugh. But the point is they wanted to work with Brooke one-on-one, but they could not. The one-on-one experience is inherently more desirable. The challenge that we deal with is that even though one-on-one coaching is more desirable to the client, it's perceived as less desirable for the coach. Well, why? Well, we talked about it before. Um, It's because, I mean, if I were to give a short answer, I would say advertising is the reason that one-on-one coaching is perceived to be less desirable for the coach. But the longer answer is the coaches are constantly hearing and seeing messages from people who are supposedly, heavy air quotes on supposedly, earning unlimited income through scaled training. Supposedly. 
So what's going on here? Well, what's going on here is the promise of scalable income, unlimited income and relatively few work, work hours is so compelling to the human mind that it will never get old. It will never stop being desirable. In the same way that it'll never stop being desirable to have the undivided attention of a trusted guide, it will never stop being desirable to earn supposedly unlimited money with relatively or very few work hours. And since that will never stop being desirable to our lower brains, there will always be someone willing to supply that promise. Now they'll say they're supplying that result. I will laugh at them and I will say, you are supplying that promise. And it turns out that's what people purchase. They purchase the promise. They purchase the hope. They cannot purchase the result. They may get the result. The result is for some small subset of humanity possible, but it cannot be purchased in the form of a course or a training. But since the promise never loses its appeal, and because people are so convinced that life would be better if they were selling the kinds of programs that make that kind of promise, so they're, they're now participating in it. So the promise is desirable. They're believing the promise. They're pursuing the promise. Now they're selling the promise. What's the best way to sell that promise? Well, since you're doing sort of a scaled thing, a scaled offer, you kind of have to advertise it. And now we get in a loop where the advertisements make the promise. People buy the promise but the advertisements also keep the promise at the top of our minds. The promise of more, the promise of scale, the promise of unlimited income with relatively few working hours. So that promise in the form of ads will never go away. The only thing that will change will be who is purchasing those ads, whose face is on those images, whose face and voice are in those videos. That's the only thing that's going to change. The advertised promise will never change. Here's how that relates to your guaranteed success as a one-on-one -on -one coach. Oh, I have a note in here to talk about the, in, the invisible graveyard. So this is a sort of a hat tip to my friend, Josh, who Josh will be on next week's podcast. He's sort of the shadow author of this whole thing. I think, because every time we talk about this material all the time, and he always gives me great insights. He talks, he reminded me about the principle of the, the invisible graveyard. The invisible graveyard says that for every one person who you know is generating millions of dollars in revenue in a scaled training business, there are thousands and thousands of bodies in an invisible graveyard of people who attempted it and failed. But no one talks about the people who failed and they're not purchasing ads anymore. Somebody else came in behind them to purchase those ads. So the promise stays alive while the people chasing it continue to die metaphorically speaking, right? That's the invisible graveyard. The technical term is survivorship bias. Survivorship bias says we tend to pay attention to those few people who succeeded at the thing and ignore the unseen thousands who failed. This is true, by the way, outside the self-help world. This is equally, if not more true, like in the world of software startups. It's equally, if not more true in the world of fiction authors. This shows up everywhere. That when people play, uh, when they get into games where the, where the potential gains are unlimited, 
the number of people who try and fail is massive, but we tend to only be aware of the people who tried and succeeded. And then those people can sell us books about how they succeeded, but not acknowledge the fact that the single biggest factor, mathematically speaking, which could deserve its own entire episode is luck. That's the invisible graveyard. That is what's going on in scaled training businesses that are driven by advertising. Okay, here's how it, here's how it in, impacts the up and coming one-on-one -on -one coach. There's a cycle that all of us go through as we pursue guaranteed success as a one-on-one -on -one coach. We start practicing. Now, we talked in a, the episode about inventory that practicing can be something we get paid for. It could be something that we pay for because maybe the client's paying us, but maybe we're paying the client. The point is we are practicing the craft of one-on-one -on -one coaching. We're practicing being the trusted guide who gives undivided attention to a person in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. As we practice, we increase in skill and insight. We get better at the job the more we practice. Now, is that always true? I guess not. But if you're a person who has a basic level of uh, self-awareness, you're going to get better with practice. As you increase skill and insight, you also increase influence. Now, when I say in increase influence, I am making an assumption here that that influence will grow in one of two directions, and maybe both of these directions. It will grow because the people with whom we are practicing will tell people in their lives that they're having a great experience with you. So your influence grows invisibly as people start to talk about you when you're not present. We also increase our influence by starting to publish and, and doing uh, content production like we've talked about in other episodes. We start to plant seeds in the world in the form of published content, and then we water those seeds and we're increasing our influence. As influence increases, demand increases. This, in my opinion, is inevitable. The more we are influencing, the more demand there will be for our work. But then we move into a, a point of decision. There's this question mark of now that demand is increasing, what will I do with the increased demand? Now, what many people do with that increased demand is they, they run through that same cycle where they start by practicing. As they practice with, with clients, they increase skill and insight. As their insight and skill increase, their influence increases indirectly through word of mouth that's happening behind the scenes and directly through publishing content and having people engage with that content. As the influence grows, the demand increases. The demand, the increased demand may show up as more requests for coaching. It may show up as a growing social media following. It may show up as a growing email list. It will probably be all of the above to some degree. And then what many people do in, in response to the increased demand is they switch to a training business. And what that looks like is my inventory is sold out. They say I've, I'm full of one-on-one -on -one clients and every, now this is the part that they maybe don't acknowledge out loud. Every day I see ads for people who are making supposedly making unlimited money, working very few hours. Well, I'm making great money working, not so many hours, but if I could take the insight and skill that I've developed and the influence that I've earned and the demand that now exists for me, and if I could apply it in a way that makes my income unlimited, isn't that a better deal for me? 
And in that moment, they buy into the idea that they can, they can succeed in a scaled training business the same way they have succeeded in a one-on-one coaching business. They view them as fundamentally similar projects. They switch to a training business. Now, we don't have to talk right now about what percentage of them succeed, although I alluded to it earlier. What we have to talk about is that when they switch to a training business and they stop being available for one-on-one coaching, the supply of excellent one-on-one coaching has just gone down in the world because they've taken themselves off the market. Now, some of them don't. Some of them say like, oh, no, I'm pursuing a hybrid model. I love the hybrid model. I want the hybrid model. I want all of you to have the hybrid model, which is I sell a certain amount of inventory. That's the bulk of my working hours. And then uh, with the remaining hours per week that I work or some number of hours per week that I work, I'm going to play blackjack or play roulette in the form of pursuing a scaled training business. And make no mistake, it is a game of roulette. But Sometimes people win at roulette. So, you know, you take a little bit of your time and you play roulette. What what I've observed more in my clients' businesses anyway, the businesses that I've had access to, once they have the increased demand, they chase the promise of unlimited income in relatively few working hours. They switch to a training business. They take themselves off the market for one-on-one coaching. And now there's, there's just that little bit less excellent one-on-one coaching available in the world. But there's an alternative. The alternative is I practice one-on-one with my clients. Maybe they're paying me, maybe I'm paying them, doesn't matter. I practice, I increase in skill and insight. Because I'm increasing in skill and insight, I'm increasing in influence. I'm continuing to garden, to plant seeds and water those seeds, which means demand is increasing. And then as I see that demand increasing, I stick with one-on-one coaching and I increase the price. Now the cycle can can continue. I increase the price. I continue to practice. Increase in skill and insight, increase in influence, increase in demand, increase the price. I'm right back into the loop. I believe this is true, whether we're talking about the transition from $0 to something other than $0 that we're getting paid for our coaching, or whether it's switching from being paid an effective hourly rate of $200, $250, $300 per hour, and progressing toward $1,000 an hour, maybe $1,500 per hour, maybe in the long run, maybe it's $2,000 per hour. I have evidence of a $2,000 per hour one-on-one coach. I have a personal relationship with a $1,500 per hour one-on-one coach. So I know they exist. That cycle is available to me. And if I stick with one-on-one coaching, I am taking advantage of the fact, I am benefiting from the fact that many, maybe even most one-on-one coaches will hear the siren song of scaled training businesses. They will take themselves off the market, but I stay on the market while demand is increasing for me and for the work in general. And I continue to sell my inventory at an ever higher price. And the long run outcome can be, well, the guaranteed part for me is that the long run outcome is I'm making a great living as a one-on-one coach, period. And, And it's worth, as a side note, it's worth saying, 
I hope you all can wrap your heads around the fact that if I were to walk up to any one of my friends, neighbors, peers, and say, and they say, what do you do? And I say, well, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I have a certain number of conversations with other people one-on-one. And for that, I get paid X dollars. And the only reason I'm not sharing the number with you is because this podcast lives forever and the number is going to change over time. But right now, today, the money is to me, it moves the needle in my life. Like it, it's a big part of my family's ability to do what it wants to do. If I were to say to them, I have this many conversations per week, I have them all on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and I make X dollars, they would say, what? How? How how is that even possible? We are in the the self-help world where we're seeing all the ads that we're seeing. We are so anchored to this other thing that we struggle to remember how insane it is that we can make the money we make having a certain number of a certain amount of inventory selling it out and then over time increasing that price that it's that it's a scenario that that this like minuscule f- fraction of the human population is doing in terms of amount of money earned compared to effort, hassle, stress, and, and time. So this cycle, the cycle of practice, better insight, more influence, increased demand, increased pricing, this cycle is a cycle that in my mind is guaranteed, is guaranteed to work. And it is helped by the fact that so many of our, our brothers and sisters, uh, brother and sister one-on-one coaches will exit this cycle because they find those ads irresistible. So what's your job? Your job is to not exit the cycle. It's to not believe the ads. Unless, and we have to allow for this, unless you feel called to do it and you feel like that is my path. The quiet voice inside that's peaceful and hopeful and loving is telling me that's my path. Well, then by all means, go for it. I will, I will be cheering you on. For those of you who see this and the quiet inner voice says, actually, that seems like an amazing path, then all you have to do is practice and not quit because practice leads to every other good thing, including an increased price. So that's your only job. Practicing of course, includes gardening like we've talked about in other episodes. You're going to garden. You're going to water those, water those relationship seeds. They will bear fruit. You just don't quit. As long as you don't quit. Okay. I want to get into uh, I want to, I want to get into our discussion piece, but let me try to make sure I have, I have made this point as clearly as I can. And if I have to re-record this episode, I will. I believe there is a strong permanent demand for one-on-one support and guidance because it's basic to human nature. I also believe that there will be a consistent deficit of supply 
because people will chase infinite games, scalable games of I'm going to make a billion dollars working 10 minutes per week. So there's an, there's an in-between that says, I'm going to satisfy the demand for one-on-one support and guidance, and I'm going to ignore the noise around making a billion dollars in 10 minutes. And in that decision, I guarantee my own success. That is today's message. Let's talk about it. Oh, somebody said the audio was cutting out. Was the audio spotty today? I'm seeing some head shaking now. So hopefully that was just a one-off. Who wants to chat about this? Is there anything to chat about here? Mark, I have a question. Yes, please, Andalyn. So where I'm at right now is um, $0 in my business uh, to date. Yeah. Um, And where I get stuck is, what do I need to do in order to practice the skill of coaching, in order to increase in skill and insight, increase the demand for my coaching? Mm -hmm. I'm sort of like, well, what do I do? Because like you say, I see all the ads and they're like, join my program and you'll make a million dollars in two days or whatever. Yeah. And I'm, I'm largely ignoring all of that because it's just noise to me right now, yep. but I'm a little bit stuck in, well, what is the steps to take in order to increase demand for my coaching? How much inventory, what is the inventory that you've set in your business? Um, five. five, five hours, hours to, right now. Okay. How many of those five hours are currently occupied? Um, zero. But you're saying zero because you have zero paying clients or because you have zero clients. Are you coaching no one in a given well, week? That's not entirely true. I have three standing appointments. So you could say my inventory is eight. I can, I would like to add five paying clients. Uh, here's the, okay. Thank you, Annalyn. This is the thing about inventory that many of you are resisting. So Andalyn, if you're telling me that your inventory is five and you have three standing appointments, then I would say you currently have two spots available. Okay. That's different. Hmm. Saying I want to have five more always puts you in a deficit it always puts you behind because you can always say you want five more. This is where I think people are misunderstanding and you might not be, I'm now speaking generally. This is where I think people might be missing my point with inventory. Inventory is not aspirational. The aspiration I think is killing us. So when someone says, I would like to be coaching 20 hours per week. And I say, well, how many, how much are you coaching right now? And then they say, well, I have two free clients. So I want, I want 20 more. That more is the death of your confidence, your momentum, and your enthusiasm. So my, the reframe I would suggest to you, and you can decide whether it's useful, is your inventory is five, three are currently occupied. You're looking to fill two more. Okay. Now you're in a position of already having achieved 
most of your job, which is to sell out your inventory. And you're saying, but I'm not, I haven't sold out my inventory. They're not paying me. No, they, they are giving you time. They are paying you. Mm-hmm. They're just not paying you money yet. My suggestion would be that you fill those other two hours. You can decide whether you want to fill them with people who don't pay you or people who pay you. Okay. But it starts there. This isn't a business where Andalyn has zero. It's a business where Andalyn has three. There's a mm-hmm. huge difference there. Are those three people thrilled with the work you're doing with them? Um, I, I think so. They keep showing up? Mm-hmm. They keep showing up. That means something. Because it's not free for them to show up. They give you time that they could be, and I, I'm not being facetious, they could be watching Netflix. Okay. And Netflix is pretty fantastic in my opinion. So now what do you do? Well, what you do is you get clear in your own head that you have two that you want to fill. The next decision is, do I want to, am I willing to fill either or both of those with clients who are not paying me? Or do I want at least one of those to be paying me? You just make that decision. The way I make that decision personally is, do I think I have demand for a paying client? When I ask myself, who would pay me for coaching? Who might pay me for coaching? Is there a list of five people that comes into my mind? If there's nobody, if I, if I truly can't say, oh, I think she would, I think she would pay me if I invited her, then I would fill those, that time with, uh, with unpaid clients. And then I would keep gardening. I would keep practicing. I'd increase in skill and insight. I would try to increase influence. Um, I do think content can play a role. And then you just be patient. That's the missing piece. When I ask you to just take 10 seconds and think, who might accept an invitation to a paid coaching relationship from you right now? Do any names come to mind? If you give yourself 10 seconds to think about it. Mm, No. Okay. Now, having given yourself 10 seconds to think about it, give yourself 30 minutes with your contact list, people you've coached for free in the past, people you're coaching for free now, and ask yourself, is it time for me to invite that person to a paid coaching relationship? If the answer is still no, then all the work is in gardening right now. And that means publishing, trying to trying to publish the insights that you've won in your own work and in the work with your clients. It means gathering your people to you and gathering with your people. So going where they are, being present with them. And then just being patient. Do you struggle to... Uh, do you struggle with the idea of inviting someone to to a paid coaching relationship? I think I do a little bit. I have a little bit of that sort of what if I can't help them or what if, you know, a little bit of imposter syndrome, you might call it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I am like coming to do 
the idea of charging money for my services, getting more and more comfortable with that all the time and being comfortable with the price that I charge. And um, I think that that's work that I've been doing over the past few months. Um, but I think that there might still be a little bit of like um, discomfort in specifically inviting somebody to a paid coaching relationship. How do you feel about inviting someone to a, to a, an unpaid coaching relationship? Um, I find a little bit of discomfort there too, because I feel like it's devaluing myself in a way of like, like, okay. So you've really painted yourself into a nice corner. A little. Yeah. Yeah. Just stop that. (laughs) How's that for helpful? Okay. (laughs) I'm half kidding. But I would encourage you to ask yourself, how can I just stop that? Because if you simultaneously say, um, no one should pay me, and also uh, I'm mad at them because they're not paying me. Yeah, I see that. That's not going to do you any good. Yeah, I see that. It's time to go do some gardening. Gather with your people. Gather your people to you. Listen to them. Do you believe what I said earlier about sort of the universal desire for the undivided attention of a trusted guide? Yes. Yeah. I feel that for myself. Like I don't necessarily want to be part of somebody's $50 per month group where I can show up to a call and listen, like there's value in that, but so much more valuable even to me would be somebody who meets with me for an hour and I can talk about my stuff and get specific um, advice or experience specific to what I'm going through. Are you working with a one-on-one coach right now? I have, no, well, kind of. So two of my standing appointments are trading coaching. So I will coach her one week and she'll coach me the next week. So in that sense, I am working with one-on-one coaches, but other than that, that's that's what I'm doing. Okay. I don't like it when people say, I don't like it when people say no one's going to pay you for coaching. If you're not willing to pay for coaching, I don't think that's true. What I do think is true is there may be some benefit to you in exploring your own thoughts and feelings around paying a coach because you will uncover something there. And there's a relationship there to your hesitation about asking people for money, asking people to pay you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not anti-coach trades. I'm not. They don't, saying yes to a trade is not the same as saying yes to paying someone for coaching. Mm -hmm. And there's probably something to be learned from both. Because the objections you have about paying for a coach right now other people share those objections. And if you've never overcome those objections, or if you haven't addressed them in your own mind, it'll be harder for you to not overcome objections. Cause I don't believe in that, you know, by now, but to feel great confidence when you're interacting with another person. Yeah, that makes sense. So give that some, some thought. Mm-hmm. Thank great you. to talk with you, but yeah, fill those other two spots of inventory. Fill them with uncomfortable, get yourself to make some uncomfortable invitations. 
Uh, you, by the way, right now think that inviting people to free coaching and inviting them to paid coaching are different. They are not different. They both make you uncomfortable and that's beneficial to you. Okay. Thanks, Andalyn. Who else can I chat with? Does nobody want to fight against the idea that success is guaranteed? I think that's debatable. I would think people would want to debate that. I would think I like at least one of you would be like, I'm working pretty hard and nothing over here seems very guaranteed. Nobody wants yeah. to say that. Yeah, I can say that, Mark Butler. So I missed your whole class, but I'm happy to debate. <laughs> and I've been working really hard for a lot of years and nothing's happening. What are you doing? Um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's funny that I just said I'm working hard because I, yeah, I'm hardly working actually okay. for a lot of years. <laughs> working hard doing stuff, but you know anyway. what you might be doing. Um, let me tell you a very short story. Years ago, I had a friend, and this friend is an extremely hard worker in his business. He's not a coach; he's real estate something or other. This dude would like work twenty hours a day. He never stopped working. And at the time, he and I were having a conversation and I had a business partner and I said to this friend of mine, you know, I'm a little bit frustrated with my business partner because I just don't feel like he matches my intensity. And my friend got a confused look on his face. And he said, in the kindest way he could, he said, um, like, uh, tell me what you mean by intensity. And then I think I probably turned red because what I had to admit to myself is I did a lot of hard thinking in that business, but I didn't do a whole lot. And hard thinking is hard work. It's exhausting. And I'm not saying this is what you're doing, but it, it comes to mind when you say, well, I've been working hard for a lot of years. If you're like me, it might mean that you've been thinking about a lot of stuff for a lot of years and dipping your toe in a lot of different areas, but maybe not doing all that much. Okay, so if nobody else is going to raise their hand, then I'll take the opportunity to be coached by Mark Butler. Anybody? Anybody? Well, does that resonate with you? Yeah, um, kind of. So I feel like I've been trapped in the model where the result is I have no clients. Go for it. Thanks, Jill. Um, I have no clients in my result line because my thought is I don't want clients because I have all these babies, I'm making more babies, the babies are getting diagnosed with diabetes, like I have enough going on, I don't need to add more. So I finally had a breakthrough, I'm ready to like, get serious about opening the doors to my business. And so now I'm like, okay, then what? Because I've been doing stuff. What have you been doing? Um, well, lately, I started podcasts, which PS, if anybody wants to be on it, I'm out of control. <laughs> I'm interviewing all sorts of, come on, Jill. Um, okay. What have I been doing? So I have, that's what I've been doing, Mark. Like that's, it's okay to say you haven't been doing anything. You know, I haven't been doing nothing. It's an extremely liberating thought. See, this is why it's so beneficial to admit that, to acknowledge it, because then you get to stop feeling like everything is failing or it's not working which is a, a lot of people are walking around like, well, this doesn't work. It's not working. I'm failing. I'm a failure. But then if you put, if you shine just the dimmest light on the situation, you realize, oh, they're not doing anything. So they're, 
not failing. They are not a failure. They're just not doing anything. And if they were to do things, then in the long run, things would happen, maybe even in the short run, depending on their current life circumstances. But yeah, it's, you're not, you're not failing because you haven't done anything. How much, how much inventory would you like to sell in your business? Meaning what number of hours per week would you like to occupy with coaching? Three. Okay. If I asked you right now to invite three people to those three coaching sessions, could you invite three people? Yes. You have access to those three people? No, that's what I haven't been doing. That's what I was going to tell you. No, but if I haven't been doing is actually, I mean, I missed the whole class, but I for sure am not asking people. I'm not inviting people to a paid coaching relationship with me. Are you inviting them to a free coaching relationship with you? Nope. Do you know other human beings? Yes. Semi-sarcastically? Of course you do. Yeah. You could invite, you don't have to have a podcast, by the way, and you certainly don't have to have an interview podcast. We should talk about that. But right now, if you wanted to have three hours of coaching occupied in the next three weeks, you could invite people to occupy those three hours. Yes, I could. Okay. Do you want to? That's what I've been fighting with myself about for two years. Okay. Do I want to? So anyway, no, that's, I, it, the two years is over. Like Saturday happened and yes, I want to. That's the answer. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, the evidence of that desire would be that you actually would invite people to occupy those three coaching hours. Yes. Which I'm getting closer to, I guess. What, what are the obstacles to those invitations? Feeling emotions. Oh, coaches are the worst. What are the (laughs) obstacles to those invitations? Seriously, you people, I'm going to say it to all of you. You people are the worst coaches. I I know. I know. What are the obstacles to those invitations? Just doing it. I don't know. Just doing it. it the, you know, the tricky thing, Emily, and you're, you're not alone in this. I'm, I'm this way too. The, when I'm saying you people are the worst, I'm the worst. I'm in that lit. I'm a coach. So just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not slinging mud at all of you and not myself. If you don't do something, it is because you don't want to. It's that simple. I know. Mm -hmm. So, but sometimes the way to discover the desire is to, is to try the smallest version of the thing. It'd be like, well, maybe I'll make a list of the people I could extend the invitation to. That's easy. That's riskless. So find sort of smaller things that you can do. And if you can't generate the desire for those things, you, you may not have the desire. Uh, and then you could do, you could work with your own coach. Do you have a coach? Do you have a life coach? I'm with Andalyn. I have so many coaches, but no coach. Yeah. Oh, that's so well said, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> no, but really though, I appreciate you saying it because that's, that's spot on. Have you ever paid a one-on-one coach to coach you? Nope. Well, No. And, and this is a huge mental block I have. What's the block? I've never paid a one-on-one coach. How do I sell one-on-one coaching? Oh yeah. Why haven't you ever paid a one-on-one coach? 
because I don't like being one-on-one coached. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, it's actually okay if you don't even like one-on-one coaching. That's allowed. You, you, okay. If you haven't listened to earlier episodes of the podcast, maybe you want to oh, listen to it because I make the case that it's okay for people to not want or like one-on-one coaching. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. The end. <laughs> like maybe you don't want it. Wait, I don't want a one-on-one coaching business. Is that what maybe you're saying? Maybe not. Maybe you don't really want to be involved with one-on-one coaching, either as a consumer or a producer. Well, in fact, I'm very caught up on the episodes, Mark. I'm I'm drinking your Kool-Aid. And I think that I actually really just want to be a trainer teacher oh. versus a coach mentor. Is that Perfect. the right word that you've got? Yeah. I mean, that's how I would so say it. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've entertained that thought a little bit. Do you buy a lot of training? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So there's alignment there. Okay, this is good. Notice the alignment. You have a natural pull toward training programs as a consumer, and you're admitting a a more natural desire toward being a producer of training programs. Mm -hmm. So you get to go do that. You don't have to do one-on-one coaching as a buyer or a seller. I know. I don't have to do anything. What I want to do is an interview podcast right now. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck with that business model. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a business model. It's a hobby. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Is that its job? Its job is to be a hobby in your life? Yes. And it's doing a great job of that. Awesome. Then why did you bring it up in a conversation about business? (sighs) Because I still come to these coaching calls like I'm supposed to have a business. You're, You're allowed to stop. I know. I can do whatever I want. Correct. Cool. Thanks, Emily. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else before we wrap up today? Okay. I mean, nobody. Hi. Oh, Chris, Chris Ann. Yes, Chris Ann. So um just came on video, so I didn't know I look like trash. But anyway. Okay. You don't. So thank you. Um I I have invested in coaching like one-on-one coaching, several one-on-one coaches, and I still am struggling. It's probably going back to the not feeling comfortable asking people, but at the same time, I've invested uncomfortable amounts of money in one-on-one coaches and in group coaching and masterminds and even trainings and programs. And I'm just sitting here like, what do I do? (laughs) Like, I know what to do, but I, I don't know. Do you think that, do you, do you feel a sustained desire to do one-on-one coaching? Yes. I love it. Oh, okay. Where's the discomfort for you? And that's great, by the way. Awesome. Where, where do you feel the discomfort? Like when, in what set of activities are you finding yourself saying, well, I, I, I'm just not doing that. Uh, I'm scared to do that. Asking people to pay me money. Okay. What about asking people to have a, what about inviting people to a conversation with you? I don't think I'm doing it right because it's not working. Are you doing it at all? Yeah. Who are you inviting? Um, people on my social media. Yeah. Okay. So that's my issue that I'm not going to one person and saying, Hey, would you like a, to hop on a call with me? 
I don't feel qualified to, to declare your capital I issue. I, I don't think that's, I don't think I'm qualified to say that. I do have bias. And my bias is that a person who finds herself in lots of conversations will see a natural transition from lots of conversations to coaching conversations to paid coaching conversations. Mm -hmm. That's my bias. Uh, I don't, I don't really believe in social media invitations for a one-on-one -on -one coaching business. That's also my bias. And I have, you now go in the evidence pile of people who do lots of inviting on social media and get no results from it. So then my brain is saying, okay, how do I have more conversations? Yes. And that is a very productive question. Okay. So just question that and answer that myself all the time. Explore it. My short answer, which may or may not even be useful. I mean, I think it's useful, but I don't want to be glib or trite. It is gather with your people and gather your people. Those are my answers. Go where your people are and engage with them. Listen to them. And then where possible, gather your people to you. So host a thing, invite people to be with you, share something with them, look for opportunities to open conversations, gather with people and gather people to you. Okay. Does that, does that feel too um, trite, Chris Ann? You're allowed to be like, yeah, man, that's still not super helpful. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> um, I, I guess then I'm like, well, okay, who are my people? Because I've done, I get, I get stuck in my own head. I don't, I know you have a coaching call in a bit, so I want to respect that and you want to get off. So I don't want to hold you up. Um, I mean, I've, I've created a Facebook group of over 7,000 people. So I know how to like bring people, but then I was like, I shifted and I was like, okay, I'm not really doing that anymore. And I'm like, do I do that again? Do I feel like I can do that again? Now that I feel like I don't know who I even want to serve. You're not. Oh, okay. It sounds like to me, like maybe you're caught up in niche issues. Like what's my niche? Yeah. But I don't, I don't believe in niche. niche. Yeah. And I don't want to have one. So then I'm like, but who are these 7,000 people? They were Christian women entrepreneurs or they are. Oh, and do you not want to, if a, if a room were full of Christian women entrepreneurs, are you excited to be in that room? Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, you um, tell me. Uh, so I gathered them being like a business coach, but then I'm like, well, I haven't done well in my own business. So how can I be a business coach? So right, right, I right, right. I didn't ask you if you think you can get transactions out of that group. I asked you. If that group, if there's a room full of those people, do you want to be in that room? Um, I probably, I yes and no. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, but also no. Yeah, I don't. If I invited you today and I said, I emailed you, and this is not out of habit. This is not out of character for me. I might do this. I might email you and say, Chris Ann, I'm going to have a thing 
with, and there's going to be 50 Christian women entrepreneurs there. And we're just going to hang. And I'm going to be the one dude. Cause that's the story of my life. We're going to just hang out for three hours and chat. We're just going to be there together. Do you want that invitation? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. That is sufficient. That, that enthusiasm for that group of people, 50 women, in, 50 women entrepreneurs and Mark over there in the corner asking himself how he got here again, that is sufficient. I want to spend time around these people. I know how hard it is. I'm not trying to be with any of you, anybody who ever listens to this, I'm not trying to pretend any, that there's some easy thing here that I get and you all don't get. I think it's kind of hard but it's hard in a different way. The hard part is I'm going to go where my people are and I'm going to be patient and engage with them non-transactionally and trust that that will bear fruit in some way eventually. I consider that enormously difficult, but I believe it's the work of building a one-on-one coaching practice where, where I think you're already ahead of the curve. First of all, I think it's kind of cool and amazing that you we're part of the creation of a 7,000 member Facebook group. That's not nothing. But then it's just saying, okay, these are the people I just want to hang around. And then where there's an opportunity to an extend, to extend an invitation, I'm going to extend an invitation. Even within that own group, I, within that group as one of, are you the leader or one of the leaders in that group? I was, I gave it away because I was like, this is too much to monitor. Oh, because there's like a there's like a, a a moderation job to be done. Yeah. Yeah, that does sound like a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't really blame you. Um, you. When you find yourself in those situations, you can say, "Hmm, who could I invite, and what could I invite them to?" I could invite them from an online thing to an offline thing. I could invite them to a one-on-one conversation. All of it is non-transactional. You could just say, I just want to talk to this person about her experience. Mm-hmm. You, you might be dealing with taking a two transactional view of the people you're interacting with them with very normal, almost universal in my opinion, to be in a business and be saying, my job is transactions. So I'm going to view people as transactions. That's the path to transactions. I happen to believe that the weird thing about a one-on-one coaching business is the less we view people as transactions, the more transactions we end up with. And so the job continues to be gather with people and gather people to me and stay curious, compassionate, and looking for opportunities to help and trusting that in the long run that bears fruit. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Chrisanne. And I, I hope we get to talk in the future. Um, okay, folks, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up, but I wanna I wanna point out um, you know, the conversation earlier with Emily and and less so, but the conversation here with Chrisanne, what you will realize is when we strip away all the noise, and that's what all these training programs are, they're noise. They tell you to do steps one through 87. And they give you great excuses in the future to be like, well, I did steps one through 87 and I didn't get X, Y, Z result. What they prevent you from doing is saying, oh, 
Mark is saying it, it is as simple and difficult as gathering with people and gathering people to me. And now that I really think about that, I don't think I actually want to do it. Then you get to decide. It's okay to decide. I don't want to be that when I grow up. I think I want to be something else. But as we continue to engage with training programs that cloud that, we don't get to that basic insight about ourselves that we either do want this work or we don't. And it's okay. There's lots of great work in the world to do. Sounds like Emily, for example, might want to go build a training business. Maybe. There's so much good work in the world. Not everybody's going to be a one-on-one coach. Not everybody should be. And that's okay. But if you want to do it, I happen to think success is guaranteed. Thanks all for chatting with me again this week. One more session before we break for the holidays. Next week, you're going to meet my friend, Josh. He's going to talk about how he gathers with people and gathers people to him. He's a brilliant relationship, uh, like creator and nurturer. Can't wait. See you next week.